Welcome to another episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. I'm Ravenna Water. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Drew Lesueur. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about uh, distributed teams and also the uh, the software that people use, all the different kinds of software you can use to do uh, Scrum and Kanban and all kinds of stuff. And uh, keeping true to some kind of agile principles, we're going to time box the episode, so you might hear an alarm go off, and when that happens, then whoever's talking, they get the last word. So uh, let's start it out. So Derek, um, we were looking at, geez, I can't remember what it was, some website that lets you do Kanban, um, and there was all this crazy UI for it, and I think our reaction was kind of that, seemed like it went against some of the principles that you have this uh, all this software stuff and it kind of gets in the way of collaboration and in people and stuff like that what do you think yeah i mean i think if you look at the manifesto we've got a couple of different line items there that talk about you know uh, not favoring tools and not favoring process but you know favoring people and collaboration and a number of things and i i think that one of the things that tools do is they remove the humanness from how we do our work and I think that we rely on machines to do communication for us. And when we do that, bad things happen. Like, best intentions go awry. Machines are really easy to ignore. People are much more difficult to ignore. Um, and I, I think I see that a lot. Yeah, so what do you think it is that drives people to... Uh, like, who, who is it that is, that is building these applications or demanding them? I think, or, I think that's know, us. Us? Who? Who Define us. Integram. I mean, we built one, right? True. So I, I think I think that's kind of interesting too. Like whenever I see one of those new things pop up, like when like Pivotal has a new change log, or when uh, when Gravity popped up on the Chrome Web Store, like it's fun to like play around with that, especially like knowing how like our, our process works and trying to see how that fits in with the tool. And it's usually just like a, a for fun thing, just to play around with it. And I don't think we've ever actually used any of those things uh, like to actually use them. But yeah. it's it's kind of interesting because we we kind of shun the idea of using digital tools but then we built one ourselves and because we had a need for it right we we uh, at that time were doing uh consulting work the best reasons are the worst excuses right well for a, a, in that case like what our reason what our justification was or our excuses was was that we had clients that were off-site and we needed to be able to communicate our progress and catalog our acceptance criteria in a common median that that they can see and that we can see yeah, I, I usually see that the number one justification is, well, we, we have some form of remoteness to deal with, whether that be time shifting or whether that be, you know, uh, sparsity of people or teams, remote teams. Uh, the other thing that I see is I, I think people are allergic to uh, collecting data in a physical form and then having to rekey it in a system to get analytics back out. And so the, the gut reaction is, well, can't we just automate all these analytics? Like if we wanted to see what our velocity was over the last 10 weeks, like that's way easier to do in Excel or, you know, a tool or something. And if we're going to have to rekey it in there, then why don't we just put everything in the tool and then that way it auto calculates for us and i've seen a lot of people who try to bridge the gap of well we still want some physicalness that they'll like to put everything in a system and then they'll print it out so mm -hmm. we'll put it in and then we'll print out our tasking or print out our stories um from that and, and I, to me that that is a little bit at least more to the spirit i think of things than just keeping it hidden away in the tool um but i still think it's kind of like that crutch mechanism right I think I think for me especially first coming into Scrum, like I like the idea of an electronic tool just because I hate to write, and that's that's probably from like elementary school all the way through high school having to write essays by hand and in cursive, and like I hate holding a pen and putting something down on paper. And it's something I'm slowly gotten over. I think right now I'd feel way more comfortable with a stack of index cards and a sharpie than I would with a with any application to to kind of catalog the stories and acceptance criteria. But I think I think 
I'm not the only one that hates to write. I think visibility is a huge part of this, right? Like, um, our, we were doing a project recently where some of us were going to be remote, and so we decided, okay, let's just use Google Docs. Like, let's just use an online tool. And I, I can't remember the exact um, occurrence, but something happened where, um, you know, we had some confusion or lack of visibility, and Derek, you know, asked a question, can you see now why, you know, why we should have, why we should use the cards and post it on the board? And obviously in that case, it, it was kind of hard, but, but yeah, we could see why, you know, it, was, it would be easier to be more visible if we just posted the cards on the wall. And, and to be honest, in that example, too, there's no reason we couldn't have done the cards because the whole reason we did the Google Doc was because we had somebody going off-site for an extended period of time that felt like they would have a bunch of free time to work on this. Mm-hmm. But they're not here. We haven't, you know, like really held them accountable to any of this stuff because we can't see them face-to-face. And let's face it, like, I doubt they even open up that spreadsheet, right? Mm-hmm. So we could have just as well done it on a physical board over here and had that visibility and lost pretty much none of the benefits of putting it online. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the two things, the one sample was, I believe, uh, Roy said, you know, hey, I think we're a little bit behind and we're worried we might not hit our sprint. That's and my question was, well, how far, you know, behind are you? Like, how, And that question was like, uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'd have to go check the document. Right. And, and I think that, you know, it actually, Im- we think that tools improve conversations, but they can, in fact, impede conversations because uh, the tools are and for Clayton and I not being on the project I think some of it is you know we might be able to help you know help you guys achieve better accountability if we see some of that but we're not taking the time to go out and look at that document and I think you could say the same thing for a CEO or a CFO or a product development manager somebody who's not in every stand-up meeting who's not in everything who could walk by and say like hey what does this mean and then you have to own up to what it really means and you know, have a discussion about it where that doesn't happen when it's hidden away in a tool. And I think we've even seen those product owners, like when they are off site and it's their project and they're paying good money to get some software written, like we almost have to force them to look at look at our tool every once in a while. Yeah, so one thing that I've noticed if you look at just the marketing pages for a lot of these uh, sites, and some of them are free, but they still have screenshots and things like that. Um, one big thing that you see is this kind of what you hinted at at the beginning, Derek, it's a replacement for communication. So they have all this commenting and, you know, automated emails, you know, Derek moved a story into pending and all these things. Um, and I think in our experience, you know, when, especially when you send automated emails, I mean, those almost immediately get filtered out uh, mm-hmm. through some filter. Uh, and I would, I wonder how, if you look at something in practice, you know, how much people, how much are people actually using the comments? You know, is there really interacting on there? Uh, you don't have to do anything. And I wonder too if you uh, if you force people to say you know you have to make all these comments and you have to do this you know how are we getting even further away from some of the principles and you don't, you don't have a self organizing so, team yes. you know, you're babysitting right so I I definitely agree that that is a huge problem but we have seen in the past working off site at one of our one of our clients we have been using a tool called Redmine which I think is an open source ticketing management system just like Track or any of the other ticketing management systems that are out there and we have been um, we have been updating tickets with like uh, the community. We've essentially been using it as base camp, right? Posting like communications with uh, various stakeholders and posting like progress on it if we have to leave something like a task half completed because we're waiting on feedback from somebody. Like uh, that type of stuff is invaluable to have a persistent storage place because we've had it before where the tasks will get thrown out at the end of the week 
but for some reason the story was still incomplete, which we obviously try to avoid, but it happens. And uh, the following week, we uh, we pull up the same story and all the communication still <laughs> Best reasons, worst excuses. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I think we, we haven't talked about is if you read, uh, I, I think Andy Hunt's got a book, Pragmatic Thinking and Learning, Rewiring Your Wetware. And I believe in that book it talks a little about this. If not, there's a couple other neuroscience books that talk about this. When you write something, your brain actually works different than if you type it or if you read it on a screen. And so why a lot of people do not like to write, when you go to do vocabulary words when you're in third, fifth grade, tenth grade, whatever, what do all of your teachers have you do? They have you basically write the word out. They have you write the word in a sentence. And, and the reason that they do that is there's science behind doing those things actually lock different unlock different activities or parts of your brain and make you remember things differently. And one of the things I see is when people physically write the stories and write the tasking, I think there's something that happens that you actually start to process the work you're going to do and how you're going to do it, and you actually start to, to, to allow your brain to synthesize, synthesize some of that information before you actually get to it. Where when you just kind of like everything's keyed in a system or it's imported from somewhere else or whatever, your brain doesn't go through that same process to allow it to kind of do offline processing before you get to the work. And I think it would be really interesting to see some studies around some of that or some, uh, you know, uh, what do they call them, you know, case case studies around, you know, doing it one way versus the other. And I think, I think too, in like writing it in index card format and being able to rearrange it, particularly with tasks where you have a store and you have a whole bunch of tasks and you have the tasks spread out in front of you on the table and you can rearrange them and see how they re- relate to each other. I think there's a really good, um, really good white paper on CRC cards, which are kind of like the, the precursor. And uh, that I think they use it more as like it's almost like a UML diagram where each card is one of the blocks in the UML diagram and you can relate them to each other. And and they talked a lot about how they would find a lot of people would rearrange them on the desk to see how different things relate to each other. And I, and I do that a ton with task cards as well. I also think the beauty of <clears throat> of using cards and posting things on the wall is if you're if you have it in the computer system, it's it can be infinitely long. It could be as big. You can write huge long comments that nobody reads. But if it's posted on a wall, you only have limited wall space. So it forces you to put what's most important, uh, and I think that's a that's a big help too. Well, I think it definitely gets into the visual thinking, right? So if I've got 100 tasks to do with my team, and it's in a spreadsheet or it's in you know one of the tools, and that tool shows me a list but it paginates it by groups of 10, mm-hmm. to me there's visually 10 tasks that we have to do. When I put those same hundred tasks on a wall, it's like, guys, we got a ton of stuff to do. Or gals, we got a ton of stuff to do. And then as we start to burn it down or move it over, we can feel that sense of accomplishment. When you're just kind of clicking off uh, you know, an item, unless you've got a special report or something, you don't get that same kind of visual impact of you know, sizing and burn down and, and different elements of it. You just don't get it the same way to me in a digital aspect. Uh, another thing I've noticed with some of the tools out there, uh, some of the m- <clears throat> bigger, more expensive ones that are targeted towards the enterprise, um, is this really extensive reporting and kind of aggregation of data and it, down to the individual level where, you know, tasks are assigned to people or stories are assigned to people and you can measure the time and all those kind of things. And I wonder if those are just features that were added uh, as part of kind of the sales process because that's the way that you can sell this to, you know, the IT director uh, or if the 
they actually think that they're helping along the team. You know, does the team get any benefit from those things? <laughs> so I, I think we need to come up with a clever little logo of like a little square or a circle, a triangle with a little guy, a little stick figure with a whip and be like scrum whip certified, you know, <laughs> uh, keep right. full accountability on every developer. That that said, though, like we've noticed that that's they. I think what they're trying to do with a lot of those large applications by having so many features is they're trying to emulate the flexibility that you get with a blank index card, because that's that's something that we've noticed. So we'll come up with a goal where one week we decided to come up with, let's start ma- putting uh, black boxes for every fifteen minutes spent on the task with red boxes for every fifteen minutes over the original estimate and green boxes for every fifteen minutes under. Right? Like your tool doesn't support that. Sorry, you can't you can't have that goal. Right. Whereas if you have an index card, you can do pretty much anything you want. And, and at one point we decided to, if we were going over on a task, we would flip it around on the backside and in red write down what the reason was why it failed. Like, good luck doing that with some tool that doesn't support that. Right. Like, you can do anything you want on an index card. And I think there's a lot of value in that as well. Well, an interesting thing that you kind of said there was you said that we decided this and we decided that. And, it, and in the context, you're talking about the team mm-hmm. uh, versus. The manager saying like, hey, "Roy, you didn't uh, estimate. You know, you didn't put your hours on your tasks, so my report's blank. I need to get that report fixed." You know, there, there's a difference there. Right? Scrum Foo 3.0 requires you to enter your hours before you can save your completed task. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we've kind of talked about some of the downsides, but you know, there are realistic situations where people have distributed teams, um, or there's teams in different time zones, uh, things like that. I mean, what's the What's kind of the least of the worst, I guess, or you know, how can you support that situation when, where maybe um, you need some, you think you need some kind of digital tool? Do you need a digital tool? I'm I'm thinking of in the future, like this isn't available now, but I'm thinking in the future of <laughs> like cheap um, digital index cards that you can write, and you know, there's OCR or whatever, so you still get the the, the physicalness of re- rearranging the cards, posting them on the board, but then you can save the data based off of it. Maybe that'll never take off, you know, maybe not, but I think that's just a cool idea to put out there that, you know, you could have a cheap digital device that's kind of almost disposable, but also reusable. As, as far as stuff that's available right now, like, personally, I like the flexibility of a Google document, but having just used that recently on a project, we, re, uh, like, really rapidly saw it get really messy and disorganized, and it's very difficult to, uh, to glean information from it. So I think that's a big problem as well, and I don't know, really know how I'd address that. So for me, uh, I think we have to learn to get real. I mean, I think we lie to ourselves. I think that organizations lie to themselves, and and they give all sorts of justifications why they have to be able to have remote teams or why they have to be in different time zones. And and I think tools become a crutch for bad decisions, and then you can blame the tool or you can blame something else. And I I think the reality is um, if we really want to be effective and we really want to be high-performing teams, I think we really need to ask ourselves, you know, is the penalty of being distributed really worth it? Is it absolutely positively worth it? And if you have to deal with it, I, part of me questions is like, why are you on the project? If you don't care enough about the work to be, you know, centrally located or or to find a way to shift it, I think it gets really hard. Um, I think that if you get to a point where you could at least um, kind of replicate to make it feel like you were in the same environment, whether that be through Skype or cams and be able to set things up so that we're working at the same time, that we're potentially pairing at the same time, so that we're kind of digitally in the same place at the same time, 
using physical tools in concordance with that. I think it works. Everybody's going to shoot that down that's distributed because the way, the reason they're distributed is because they're offset time zones by a factor of two or three. And yeah. I think that there you just can't do quality work that way. I, I think, though, that's something that definitely we're going to have to approach because in, in our company's near future, we, we kind of... Ooh, the time uh, box is over. Well, well, right. Finish your thought, Roy. What were you going to say? Uh, I was going to say that... Uh, like, we. Kind of, we anticipate that in our near company future, we'll be working in a much more distributed format, and that kind of lends itself towards the direction that we're headed. And I definitely foresee that we're going to have a lot of problems with this in the future, but I think that you'll agree that it's going to be a necessary part of where we're going. So, if you, uh, if anything you heard today kind of struck a chord, or you know, I think you know, maybe we told you that your distributed team, you know, you don't care about doing quality work, or however you interpreted it. Uh, what are, what's a way that we can uh, people can get a hold of everyone here on Twitter or something like that if they wanted to continue the conversation? Well, at at Integrum. All right, that works. Yep. So thanks. Uh, we'll catch you next time. <laughs>